Last week, if you were here or you saw the uh, online broadcast, we talked to you about helping out a particular church ministry in Ukraine. Ksenia made a quick little video. We showed that. And we talked about that. We're going to give people three or four days to give to that. Whatever comes in, we'll send it over there. I thought, okay, maybe we get 2000 maybe $2,500, something like that. That'd be great, just in three or four days. $16,000 came in, in in like three days, four days' time. So way to go. I was talking to Ksenia about it, and her response was like, I can't believe that. That's fantastic. And then she thought, no, I went to that church, went to your church for a lot of years. So it makes total sense that you guys would do something like that, something crazy, outlandish like that. Today, we've looked at, we've looked at uh, the, the verses that Larry just read for us about times when like, you're kind of trying to figure out what it is that we're supposed to do. What does God want me to do here? These guys, Paul and Silas now, not Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas have headed out again uh, to go out to spread the good news of Christ to a world that knows nothing about Christ anywhere. And they try to get different places. It doesn't work out. And finally, he has this crazy dream and come over here and help us. We'll take a look at some more of the details about that. But here's what I want. I'm going to put my phone number up on the screen. Uh, if you call me after 10 o'clock at night, I'm not answering, but you've got my number now. What I'd like to hear from right now in the next few minutes is text me, uh, what are some situations in your life, either in your past or maybe something that's going on right now where you're trying to figure out what does God want us to do? What does God want me to do? Maybe it's about who I date, who I don't date, who I marry. Do we keep going after this? Where do I work? The big one that's going on in California the last two years is, do we keep living here? Do we move somewhere else? All those kinds, we sell our house right now when you can make crazy money on it, but you have to go buy. All those kinds of questions, decisions. I'd be curious to hear, what are the kinds of decisions where you're trying to figure out what are we supposed to do? And because you're here at church here on the weekend, especially those of you that are here on Saturday, I got to figure you're probably at some level interested, intrigued with, what does God have to say about that? What's God's will about that. So we're going to take some time and look at that. You can see here, they're trying to get to certain places and you'll look in my Bible. I have these underlined in verse six and in verse seven, it says the Holy spirit wouldn't let us go there. And the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let let us go over there. And they were kept trying to figure out, well, what's God trying to say here, trying to discern what God's will, God's plan is. And uh, then they have this dream from a guy over in Macedonia say, come over here and help us. And so they decided, well, I guess we're supposed to go to Macedonia. When God shows up in a dream and says, come over and help us. Let's just see what happens if we do that. Put a map up here so you guys can see this. If you're watching online, we've tried to work out a way so you can see this uh, to see. Here's where they are at. Can you guys see the red dot moving around up there? Okay. They're, they're over in here. Going back up through here. They get into this Asia region. They want to get over here into Asia. But it says the spirit of God wouldn't let them do that. And they get over here to Mysia or Mysia or whatever and try to get into there and think, well, okay, maybe we're supposed to go up here to Bithynia up to the north. And that's not working out either. And they go, what are we supposed to do? So they go, let's go over here. Let's, let's go through Mysia, Mysia. And they get over here to Troas, the port city. And that night while they're there in Troas, they have this vision, this dream where guys over here saying, come over here and help us. And this is Macedonia over here. You'll see over here, there's the city of Philippi. The book of Philippians in your Bible is about what happened in Philippi. There's Thessalonica over here. Stay tuned. There's all future episodes 
that are coming for those. But that gives you some idea of what they're trying to do. And so they have this dream. They get on a boat to go over to the region of Macedonia. They land there. Let's, let's see what happens. We're going to keep reading here in verse 11 now. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. It really hadn't been a city. Rome said, we're going to got to have places for people to live. And so they built it up and made it a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. I, in my Bible, I have that underlined, that little phrase where we thought people might be meeting for prayer. So, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. What Paul is trying to tell us when he says that is, the girl's loaded. When you purple cloth, expensive purple cloth, and she's all the way over from Thyatira, all the way over here in Macedonia, she's loaded. Who worshiped God as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. As Paul preaches the word of God, preaches the Bible to her, God opens her heart to what, God, what he was saying about Jesus. She was baptized along with other members of her household and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Now, I'm telling you right now, this is a fascinating little story. We're going to look at some things here. If you're thinking about skipping church next weekend, don't. It's one of the greatest stories in the book of Acts that happens. Well, it doesn't happen next weekend. We're talking about it next weekend. Be here. Get friends here. It's beautiful, fantastic, amazing. Uh, so they get over there and discern, well, looks like the Spirit of God opened up things for us. We should, we're, this is God's will for us to go over to Macedonia on this missions thing. Uh, I, I wonder how many of you guys texted me. Uh, somebody said discerning health decisions for their daughter. Somebody talked about in, in the midst of recently losing their spouse. What do you do with your life? And what's the next step? You live 40, 50, 60 years with somebody. Ah, what do you do? Um, trying to decide on whether or not to quit my job. Struggled for years about filing child support. For my daughter, what what do I do about that? Oh, <laughs> I love the honesty of this. I absolutely hate my job, but I don't know if this is a season I need to keep rely on him and just keep working on my heart. What what do I do here? Uh, people talking about moving up to Northern because somebody just texted. I don't have your name in my contacts. Maybe I move to Northern California or move out of the area here. Um, we have to move away for our son. We have to come back once a month for Doug's, for somebody's mom. What, what, where should we move? Uh, somebody said, nice shirt. <laughs> All those kind of things and more. Whether, again, get married, stay married. What do I do about where I live? Do we stay here? Job situations, all that and more. And there's all kinds of bad methodology out there when it comes to discerning God's will or what you're supposed to do. Uh, one of them is the, the fancy word, the psychologist you for this is called the reticular activator. Aren't you really impressed that I know that big word? Here's what reticular activator is. If you're thinking about buying a silver Tesla, what are you going to see everywhere on the road? 
and advertising and the, you go to the dentist office, you're going to see it everywhere. It's just because you're at, And so people go, oh my gosh, God wants us to do it. Well, it could just be you're kind of tuned into it. There's also, um, you know, you, you, there's this girl you like and she's cute and fun. And should I ask her out? Should I, should I talk to her? And, and then she wore some kind of animal print blouse shirt jacket thing that day. And then you go by the Chick-fil-A sign that has animals up on it and think, oh, God must be, you know, crazy things like that. Um, the magic eight ball. Remember the back in the day, the magic eight ball, like whatever floats the top. God's will. Sometimes you deal with the Bible with just kind of whatever floats to the top there. I was talking to our, some guys on our prayer team today before the service gather at 430 to pray. And he said, there's a funny story that he told. It's probably a joke. I'm not sure it's a joke, but it's a story of a guy in the Midwest who's out there in his field and is wondering, is God calling me to be a, a pastor, to, to move out of the farm and move and maybe go to seminary and become a, a pastor? And he looks up and he sees in the sky, a, one of those sky riders that says, and the letters are P-C, and he thinks, preach Christ. But it turns out what God was trying to tell him was, plant corn. <laughs> See, if we're not careful, we can just use all kinds of random stuff and just try to, to, to do it that way. Uh, I want to give you seven guidance systems that God has given us. A lot of them we see right here in these verses here in Acts. Seven guidance systems, and you can, you can uh, write these down. Uh, I, if I, was, I didn't think about this until the note sheet had already gone to print. Really, number one and number two are not like one, two, and they're all kind of equal. Number one and number two are like the hub of a wheel. Number one is like the hub. Number two is like the hub cap that keeps it all together. One and two. Most important, everything else spikes off of these. So number one is, and this won't surprise you, the first way to know God's will is the Bible, is God's word. Now you got to be careful because if you're not careful, people go, they'll use the Bible like a fortune cookie or the Bible lottery, just whatever pops open and like grab verses wildly out of context to justify and excuse all kind of things. So you got to get the whole Bible. It's important. We always say it here. It's not just what does the Bible say, but what else does the Bible say that you really have to dial into. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, God's word is going to give you 99% of what you need to know about God's will. Most of what you're asking about is already in the Bible. So stop making it so hard. The Bible speaks very clearly to all kinds of situations. We're trying to make decisions uh, you will never know, you should write this down, it's not going to be up on the screen, you will never know God's will apart from God's word. I don't care that you're a cupcake snowflake and you are tuned into the universal spirit of consciousness and you just feel like you just know all the time. You, you don't. Apart from knowing this and what's in here, you're never going to know God's will for you. See, because God's will is far more about who you are than what you do. God's will is more like a pathway than it is a destination. And so when you, I think about God's will, all these questions are about, well, it's all about who should I date or marry? Where should we live? Who, what, when, where? All that. I'm telling you right now, God is not so much concerned about who, what, when, where. He's concerned about how. Look at me for a second. Don't miss this. I, I don't want to be... I'm going to be careful here. I don't think God cares as much as we care about who we date, who we marry, 
where we live, what, 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 where we work, as he does about how we do marriage, how we do work, how we live and move and all that. He cares about the way that we do it, how we do it, not necessarily all the specifics. I'm telling you right now, you can live in Tennessee or Temecula and be in the center of God's will. You could date or marry different people and be right in the center of God's will. I'm not, and now, I think God knows, and you can you know, text me all your stuff about the sovereignty of God and the specifics. I think God knows it and all that. But you'll see over and over again what God cares about is how, not who, what, when, and where. God wants to shape you. This will come up on the screen, I think. This quote is there. I may not have it exactly right on my note sheet, so you can take a screenshot of it or write it down. What God's will is all about is shaping you into who God wants you to be, and then you'll do what God wants you to do. If we would worry more about becoming, being the people that God wants us to be, what we do will almost just naturally just flow out of that. It's right up there. Focus on being the person God wants you to be, and then you'll just do what he wants you to do. We, we see this here with Lydia. She's listening there to Paul and the word of God, and it says, and God opened her heart. God opened her heart because she was hearing the, the word of God. And guys, I'm telling you right now, the Bible is living and active. I'm telling you right now, you will... Our kids are having a great time back there. That's awesome. You will... This... My prayer for you is you would discover how great this is and how alive this is. They're like, there's times you're going to read it and go, man... Like, God's talking right to me right now. You go, that's impossible. These words were written like 2,000 years ago. How is that possible? In Psalm 1, the very first psalm that all the rest of the psalms kind of go after, the opening song is this. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scornful. Blessed are those who don't just uh, binge watch series all the time. Blessed are those who do not just saturate themselves with everything the culture has, the advertising, the TV, the entertainment. He says, but instead, watch this, their delight is in the word of God. Their delight is in it. See, I think for me, for you, for some of us, we look at the Bible and think, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do that. And it's a duty. The God's word is supposed to be a duty for you. He wants us to delight in it. And the only way you're going to ever be able to figure out how delightful it is, is to, Jeremiah says, I guess, taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to start getting into it, getting up early, staying up late, finding ways to let this saturate your life. Shoot, if we spent one-tenth of the time in the Word of God as we spend in TV and surfing the Internet, man, it would just come alive for you. I'm not even saying it has to be the, almost, the thing you do all the time. But I would tell you, maybe it's something you ought to do. And my prayer for you is you would get this. You would see how delightful it is. I wonder today, anybody here, anybody here in the house, anybody here online watching us this weekend, anybody here want to be prosperous and successful? The rest of you are liars. Don't have your hands up. Everybody wants to be prosperous and successful. Um, Keep something here in Acts. We'll come back to it. Flip over to the left in your Bibles to to the book of Joshua. You'll go to the books, Genesis at the beginning book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and there's the book of Joshua. Uh, as you're turning there, what's happened here is Joshua, uh, Moses, who's the leader of Israel, has died, and Joshua is taking over. And God pulls him aside 
and says, look, dude, here's how it's going to work. Here's how you're going to be prosperous and successful. How this country that I'm establishing will be prosperous and successful. Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. You know why he had to tell Joshua that? Because Joshua was scared out of his mind. There's a million to a million and a half Israelites. He's got to lead through the wilderness and go fight battles. And they don't even have an army yet. Be strong and very courageous. I have these words bolded in my Bible. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. This is the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That's what all they had in the Bible right then. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction. Study this book continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you want your life and soul to become just... If you want your life to be prosperous and successful... It's tricky to say, well, I want to delight in it, but I just see it as a duty. I'm just, guys, all this week I've been praying for you that God would just turn up something in your heart and soul with the delight and the hunger and thirst for this. And some of you are going, okay, so if I read the Bible, if I study it, I memorize it and meditate it, I get cash and prizes, right? Prosperous and successful. I'm telling you what's going to happen to you. It's happened to me. It's happened to every Christian. Everybody's ever took take this Bible and started to delight in it and look at it. You know what happens, what God does? He really recalibrates your prosperous and successful systems. Because all of a sudden you start looking around at the world going, man, I know people have all kinds of money and they're miserable. People have achieved success and power and all this kind of stuff. He, he will recalibrate for you what prosperous and successful looks like. And I'm telling you right now, you do life God's way. I just know over and over again, the stories of even getting cash and prizes and success that even the world goes, that's fantastic and amazing. You know what happens then? It doesn't become the center of your life where you're just freaked out and worried about it. You can receive it as a blessing and you worship and give gratitude to God for it and enjoy it instead of becoming just consumed by it. Delight yourself in the Bible. And I'm telling you now too, even with specific decisions, because we said God's going to transfer you. He wants to transform your character and change who you are, not just what you do. But even with specific decisions that you're trying to make right now, over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, find that. It's to the right here. We're in Joshua. Go to the, you get to Psalm. That's a big book in the middle. And then find Proverbs, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. And I have this thing. I mean, you can't see it, and they can't zoom in on it because the camera won't get that close. But I got this verse so marked up. Arrows and highlights and underlines all over the place here. Look at this. My child... My church, my brothers and sisters, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. You know what he's saying here is? Your ears aren't naturally tuned to wisdom. Yours are naturally tuned to ridiculous foolishness and being a moron. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you'll understand what it means to fear God and you'll gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense. 
Anybody need some common sense about stuff right now? I tell you right now in our world, we don't need common sense. We need uncommon sense. Because what's common sense right now? Everybody's crazy and lunatic and whatever. He's a shield of those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. And I have verse 9. I have this, this big word here, there, then. When you treasure God's word, when you search for it, when you cry out for it, when you're just delighting in it and just meditating on it, when you're saturating yourself with it, he says, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, and you'll find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Guys, I'm telling you right now, even with where do I live? Do I sell my house? Do we move to Tennessee or Idaho or Texas? Or do we send our kids to private school or Christian school? What what do we do about all those decisions? He said, God wants to speak in there, but I'm telling you right now, you saturate yourself with this Bible, and I'm telling you, I've experienced this for myself, and I wish so many more of you would get it. Because you would just go, man, I've just saturated myself with the Bible, I just know what to do now. And even the Bible doesn't tell me. There's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt move to Tennessee. Not going to be there. Thou shalt quit your job and be unemployed or do it. Not going to tell you that anywhere. But I'm telling you, you saturate yourself. You delight yourself in this. And, and God's will will just complain to you. It, will, it says there in Proverbs, it will enter your heart and your soul. and You'll just know what to do. Now, there's other ways to discern this. It's not just that. But this is the, the hub of everything. And I know sometimes people go, well, gosh, Steve, back in Bible times, my people heard the voice of God. Like God showed to people and he spoke the word of God to them. And they heard voices and stuff like that. Um, I will tell you right now, you know how you hear the voice of God today in 2022? You're going to, right now, here at Cross Point Church, here at 621 on a Saturday, you're going to hear the voice of God speak out loud to you. Are you stressed and worried right now about anything in your life? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done for you. You know what what just happened there? You just heard God speak audibly to you. And we look at that. And I think people back in the day when they didn't have printing presses and they didn't have Bibles, they didn't have literacy, would look at us and go, we have 17 Bibles. We could download the thing on our phone. We go, eh, whatever about that. And we go, I want God to speak out loud. They go, I would way rather have something that speaks to me out loud all the time. So if you want to hear God speak out loud to you, read the Bible out loud to yourself and you will hear the voice of God. That's the hub. That's the, the hub of it. Um, number two, The second way to know God's will is prayer. It's like the hubcap that goes over the hub is to pray. James tells us what's causing all the craziness amongst you. You're doing all right. You're going crazy. He says, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask God. James chapter one, verse five says, when you're not sure what to do and you're kind of freaking out and you don't know what to do, he says, ask God. He loves to give wisdom liberally. He loves to lavish it on us. So pray, ask God specifically for things. Uh, and, and guys, you know, you have a great father. Think about it, those of you who have kids. When your child comes to you, whether they're seven years old or 17 years old, and they sit down and you say, dad, mom, I don't know what to do here about college, what I'm supposed to go to, or, or the sport I want to play or whatever. And they sit there and they go, I really want to do the right thing. And so can you help me out with that? You know how exciting that is for a dad or mom to hear their kids not come to them and go, here's what I want to do. Get out, get on board with me to really go, 
what do you want me to do, Dad? What do you want to do, Mom? If that's you as a parent, what happens in your heart and soul? It's not like, well, you know what? I'm not sure you're really serious about it. Like, I'm telling my kid comes to me about that. Like, let's talk. I'd be excited. God goes, I'm a, if my kids would come to me, really want to know what I want them to do, I'm going to tell you. And you're going to just know it all kinds of different ways. Uh, and so when you talk to God and you're asking for specific direction, wait for, here's the image that's going to come up on the screen. Wait for this to happen. You recognize that, right? That's the level, when you, when you text somebody, right? And then all of a sudden you see that, oh my gosh, they're listening and it's word bubbles. Some of you are going, I, you text, they don't make that sound, but it, it's, it's it kind of, that's the sound I make in my mind. It's, and I know what's happening here is they're listening and they're responding. So don't Sit with a blank piece of paper, sit with the Bible, sit with the journal, and just trust that God might have something to say here, and He's going to impress something in your heart and soul about who you should talk to, a verse you should read. Something. I'm just telling you, prayer is so, so important. So listen to that. The third way that God speaks is through special, or maybe the word special is probably wrong here, it probably should be specific revelation. We believe here at Cross Point Church that when God, when the Bible got done, God didn't lose his voice. That God is still speaking into our lives and souls about specific things. Here in, here in uh, Acts, right? We don't know where to go. He wasn't letting us. We don't know if it was circumstantial, whatever. He said, then they had a dream. Very specific dream about a specific situation. Get over to Macedonia. And they heard that very specifically, very clearly. So for, for us, we believe God gives visions and dreams. At times, you will hear the voice of God and go, that's different than just something I heard in my spirit. And people will say, well, when you hear the voice of God, is it out loud? And I always say, it's louder than that. It's more unmistakable than just an audible voice that comes. And so sometimes that word will come to you. And sometimes that specific revelation will come to somebody else for you. God gives them specific gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, gifts of discernment, all that. And they'll get it for you and they'll come to you. Now, be careful with that. Uh, well, I'm, be careful. Here's the thing. People think, uh, man, that, that all, in Bible times, that happened all the time. Guys, you know the reason that these stories of these dreams and these prophetic words are in the Bible? It's because they hardly ever happened even back in Bible times. We'll hear 70 years of history in the Bible in like, four or five paragraphs, and I'll have in there a time when God spoke out loud or gave a vision or a dream. But this wasn't an everyday occurrence for them. It happened once in a while, but it does happen. So when there's, God will sometimes give specific revelation about what he wants you to do. Number four is gifting. What you're good at is how God's going to speak to you. If, if you love Media and technology and Excel spreadsheets. God might lead you into a job like that. If you're getting excited about that stuff, if you get excited about helping people out, about building websites and building web pages, if you get excited about teaching people or, or relationships and community, God's going to put some things in your heart and soul and you're going to be, you're, you're good at it and you have a good time doing it. It's not like I'm good at it, but like, eh, whatever. I hate this. So part of this is too, what do you get excited about? 
What, what, what just turns your crank? I mean, that's, that gets me all geeked out and excited about that. That's one way. It's not the main way. The Bible and prayer are right here. But from time to time, it's what you're good at. God's going to open up something. You go, I'm, I'm good at that. I'm, and, and here's the crazy thing about what you're good at. Don't miss this. This just occurred to me. It was not even my notes. Like, I think the Spirit of God is going to be saying this to some of you today. When you're good at something, people will tell you all the time, man, you're so gifted at that. And you're going to go, well, isn't everybody? You know why? Because it just comes so naturally to you. It just flows out of you because God gave it as a gift to you. And there's different kinds of gifts. There's natural abilities that God gives to every human being. Everybody's got natural abilities. And when you become a follower of Christ, you get spiritual giftings. Specific gifts, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and soul and mind and body, he brings some stuff with him to say, I got some stuff I want to give you now that usually lines up with who you are already with your natural gifting. So gifting is an important one. Number five is wise counsel. You might want to, I think on there, it's, yeah, it's, it's highlighted or it's capitalized. Wise counsel. I'm telling you right now, guys, for me, this is not the Bible that says this. I'm just telling you in my life, number one and number two and number five are the most important ones you should, if you forget everything else today, wise counsel. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible about it. I'm going to read some of these from Proverbs. Proverbs 11:14 says, there is safety in having many advisors. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Proverbs 20, 18, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war or go to work or go to college or go out to the dating world, whatever. Don't go important things without wise advice. Proverbs 24, 6, victory depends on having many advisors. We need wise counsel. And the bigger the decision, the more important it is that you get other people to look at this for you. Now, here's the danger with this. So some of you go, yeah, well, I talked to my friends about this. You have to make sure it's wise counsel, first of all. And what tends to happen with decisions is, and I'm telling you, I've done this in my life. I'm not yelling at you about this right now. I'm just telling you. The natural human tendency when you have a decision you want to make and you kind of think, well, I'm kind of like wanting to go there. What you start doing is looking for people that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. They'll give you affirmation, not counsel. Now, sometimes that's good. You need, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you right now, what you need to have in your life, every single one of you, whether you're not a Christian yet, or you're just brand new to faith, or you've been a Christian a long time, every single one of you need to have at least two people in your life that will look at you and go, that's dumb. They care about you enough to let you get mad at you, let you get mad at them because they're saying, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. Or you're saying you're not going to do that, and I'm telling you, you should. People will give you contrarian kind advice. Now, if they're always contrarian, they got an issue. If they never encourage you, if everything's always like, eh, the opposite thing, but you need some people around you, so get wise counsel. It's so important. Number six, inner peace or inner conviction. This is when you just know. And, and here's what will happen sometimes. Over here, when you're, oh, I don't know what to do, and you're like, rust around with stuff, what do we do? I'm not sure about this and all, whatever. And what will happen sometimes is all of a sudden you will feel almost like, like, like there's a fire kind of raging your soul, and you feel like God just goes, Psh. 
and peace. Just like that, like, whoa, just tranquility and peace just happens. And then sometimes what happens is you have an inner conviction about something where you'll see some, you'll hear about the thing going on in Ukraine or you'll hear about, well, Nehemiah. Read the book of Nehemiah sometime. For those of you that love leadership stuff, there's so much good stuff in Nehemiah about leading your family, about leading your classroom, about leading your company, your business, whatever it is. But in Nehemiah, it says, Nehemiah went out and he saw that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and he was so moved in his heart because of what he saw. He goes, we have to do something about this. And he wept about it. He sought God about it. So you get that inner conviction. God just puts something in your heart sometimes. Now, be careful with inner peace because I have from time to time this idea of, and it's usually said with this kind of tone, with a breathy tone. I have peace about this, friend, brother, sister. I have peace about this. Be careful with that. Sometimes when people say that, I want to tell you that tranquility is not proof that God's in it. And here, here's where people will trot out, I have peace in my soul about this. It'll be something the Bible specifically says is wrong. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to go have the difficult conversation. I want to live with that person before we get married to whatever, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I have peace in my soul. Look right at me for a second. You have an enemy that's out there trying to give you peace to feel good about bad decisions that are going to hurt, damage, and destroy you. And if you need peace to go do dumb stuff, he's just going to give you all the peace you want about it. God's will will never contradict his word. 100%. God's will will never contradict his word. Number seven, seventh one here is circumstances. This is when just life and stuff happens like Paul and Silas and his entourage there. They're trying to get to certain places and it's just not working out to go. Now they later on, I think, look back and go, that was God, the spirit, not letting us go to these places. He wanted us to go over here, over here to Macedonia. So circumstances just weren't working out. We go, that was God's God's will in directing our circumstances. For us, it'll happen. Guys, if you're asking a girl out and she says no, probably not God's will, right? No matter how much peace in your heart, how beautiful and amazing she is, if she says no over and over again, time to move on. Someone else gets the job. Someone else gets that job. Probably means, well, that's, that's probably not the, that door closed and all that. Sometimes too, those circumstances will be like when it's going really well. Like, man, man, life is going well. I mean, this is just working right now in my family, in this dating relationship, in this company, where just doors opened and opened and opened. Like, man, this is going fantastic. And it's the way God confirms his will oftentimes is through our circumstances. And then it was fascinating. You know, when Paul and Silas and his team got to, to the city of Philippi, okay, God directed us here, but now what do we do? Well, let's, let's try something. And sometimes how you know what God's will is, you go, let's just try something, see what God does. I all the time tell God this. I got some decisions I'm making right now. I'm telling God this. God, either blow the doors wide open or slam them shut and deadbolt them. 
Don't be vague about this. And a lot of times it's through circumstances he will do this. Uh, They go down to the river and sure enough, there's Lydia there. And they just start talking to her about Jesus and the Bible. And she goes, "I I want that. You go, circumstances. God's in this. There's great results from we just thought, well, where do we go in town? Do we go to the city center? Do we go to the mall? Let's go down the river and just tried something down there. Sometimes you just try it and see what happens. Now be careful with this too. There's a story in the Bible in the book of Jonah. God specifically tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. You know what Jonah does? He goes down to the dock and you know what his circumstances tell him? Nineveh is this way. There's a boat headed the opposite way. So look, what a coincidence. Awesome. Circumstances. God's telling me to go that way. Uh, there's all, I'm telling you right now, when God's ask, ever asked you to do something difficult and challenging, there will always be a boat headed in the opposite direction. There'll always be a great way and a great excuse, and you'll have peace in your soul about it. <laughs> Some stories in my life. We got time. Um, I, this is years and years ago. Uh, I was uh, in a small group at the church I used to work at down in Vista, and I was the junior high youth director, youth pastor there, was having a great time, wasn't depressed. I just was excited, but I was in a small group. And I uh, told some people in the group, I said, I'm kind of feeling sort of just like I want some more color in my life. Now, there was a woman in that group, a single mom, and I had noticed her around the church a couple times. She was cute. She was fun. But she's a single mom. She's got two kids. I, nah, whatever, like on that. <laughs> The next day, she comes walking into my office, sits down on the chair and says, I've got a lot of color in my life and I have all kinds of fun. I'm going to start inviting you to go places. And four months later, I was married to her. Yeah. God just opened the doors. I'll be like, I want, what, who, am I supposed to date her? She walks in and says, I'm going to start you. Well, maybe God's in that. I walked next door to the guy that was the high school pastor. I said, what does this mean? He said, say yes. <laughs> just go. And like at that point, anyway... Um, And we laugh about that all the time. Even getting uh, 18 years ago now, 19 years ago, the idea of moving to Temecula and starting a church here, a couple of friends who I knew who had moved up here said, Steve, man, you should get up here. The whole world's moving to Temecula right now. Temecula used to be a place that you drove through. Now it's a place you drive to. You should get up here and do a church. And I was like, no way, dude. I love the church I'm at. I'm not burnt out. I'm not frustrated. I love everything about what's going on here. So I'm just staying put right here. And then this weird thing started happening. I started to be a little curious about that. And so I just told God, God, make it really clear what we're supposed to do here. Just confirm this, blow the doors open. I'm coming home uh, from a trip that I had been on. And on the phone, my wife says, I think we should start looking for homes in, in Temecula. Don't know what that means. And then my wife will tell you that she is the number of times that I've been convinced that she's dead wrong, that she's been dead right. (laughs) We had thought, okay, I think we're going to do this now, but let's kind of see. We want to get a team together. She said, you should ask Greg and Kathy Sampson to come with us. Now, what she knew about Greg and Kathy Sampson, they... uh, they had helped start and get some thriving children's ministries going at some churches in Texas, at the church I was at in Vista. They had done that for several years, uh, but they had a successful business. Greg was a first round draft, book, draft pick out of Stanford, drafted in the first round, played for the Houston, played pro ball. He had retired now. They had their life going. I looked at Denise and said, sure. 
Like, why would they ever want to come, a, come to Temecula and help lead children's ministry at a little small fledgling church plant when they're here at this great church here in Vista? But I thought, just to keep her happy, I'll call them. And I called them, and they were on a trip across the country taking care of some family stuff. An hour later, they called me back and told me, this is crazy, Steve, because two days ago, and they kind of laid it out there and said, we think we're going to do this and supposed to do this. And I thought, that's crazy. We showed up uh, five days later at North Coast Church's campus, parked our cars there with Greg and Kathy to say, let's go look at Temecula and just see what's going on there. And at that point here in Temecula, there were all kinds of churches and church plants going on here. And all of them went into schools because nobody has 35 cents yet. Nobody has any money to do anything with yet. And so we were trying to get into a school, but we were like 12th on the list, I think, to get into any school. And I have this voicemail. I saved it. I should have downloaded it. I don't even know where it is anymore. But the voice, the, the lady said this, Steve, you don't know me. My name's Katie Johnson. I go to North Coast. I heard about this. I'm the principal of the newest elementary school in Temecula, and they let us make decisions on who comes here for church. You should come to my school and do your church at my school. And at some point, I got to go, God's going, did I stutter? At some point, I go, I have God to make it really clear. He goes, if you don't go now, I'm going to hurt you, pal. And, and, and all that. And so some of you are going today, okay, so seven things here. We listed them all out there. Some of you go, I'm not, I can't remember seven things. What I want to show you right now, if you forget everything else today and wonder, okay, so how do I do this? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. If you forget everything else I say today, remember this verse and a couple key points I'm going to give you. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Just stop right there for a second. All your heart, not some of your heart. And I say, and look, use your understanding, but don't depend on it. See, here's the deal today. You might want to write this down. Tweet, hashtag this out. Don't. If you depend on yourself, you will need depends for yourself. Because you're going to make a mess. You're going to make a mess in your life. I'm just telling you. And everybody all the time says, oh, no, you're a snowflake uniform. Just trust your inner soul. Forget that nonsense. You should be very suspicious about just your own heart and your soul. And then he says, verse 6, seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. See, it's in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, seek his will in all you do, and he'll direct you. And see, here's what I want to tell you today. This is important. God says, if you're not obeying me over here, I'm telling you nothing about over there. And so we're going, I, I don't want to hear the will of God. He goes, you haven't forgiven people. You haven't set some things straight financially. There's some things in your own heart and soul that you know are completely out of my will. And you're just staying there. He goes, so knock yourself out. You start doing my will right here. He says, and when you do that in all you do. So the little line to write down here as the band comes up now is this. All my life with all my heart. Every area of my life, all my life, with all my heart. Guidance systems that God wants to give us to make his will plain to us. Hope this is encouraging to you, helpful, practical to you as you face all kinds of decisions that you're wrestling around with and trying to figure out. But if you forget everything else today, all my life, I'm depending on God with all my heart for every situation. There are no 
spiritual places over here and then my life and work and everything else over here. Everything, all my life, all my heart. We're going to sing some right now. We sing here and we worship right now because when you're in the midst of stress and frustration and decision-making, sometimes you don't just need words and truth. Sometimes you need to just have your heart just... So in the face of trials, in the face of overwhelming decisions, you know what we do? We sing into that to inspire our hearts that I can trust God, that he's been there for me before. And sometimes a pastor up here yelling at you and telling you that kind of goes whatever. And then you hear the song and the music. It just, man, I can trust him. Give you a chance to come to tables of communion today in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. People will be getting up, moving around the house to go there. I'm telling you, this is what that last point was all about. You keep Jesus central to your life and keep your eyes on him. He'll direct your path. So we're going to bring you to places to remember Jesus every single week. Remember that what he did on the cross for you paid it all. And he's there and he's for you. He's not against you. He, he wants to show you every good thing that he has for you. And the best demonstration of that, remembrance of that is the cross of Christ. And so that bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. We just remember that and celebrate that today. Our prayer team is at the back of the house today. You might have some decisions right now you're wrestling with and struggling with. Don't just hold on to that yourself. Don't just do that yourself. Go back there. As people are moving around the house today to get communion and do all that stuff, go back there and introduce yourself to them. Let them pray for you. So Jesus, today, we sing with all of our heart, all of our soul. We remember you. And God, my prayer today, my prayer today is you would help us delight, delight in your word. 